Hey there, welcome to the show. So how are you feeling today? Well, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good. And the reason why is I've got some great guests joining me this hour. John Pasalis, he is the president of Real Philosophy Realty. He's gonna be joining me and he's a real estate broker, uh, but he really focuses on data analysis. And you know what? We sometimes just have to dive into the numbers to find out where the truth is. And John's been a guest here before. He's gonna be joining me again and it's gonna be great to have him on the show. A little bit later in the hour, I've got former president of the Ontario Real Estate Association joining me, Ray Ferris. Uh, he is a broker owner of Erie Edge. Uh, we're gonna talk about cottage country. We're gonna talk about, you know, that little mishap with the kids deciding to park in a house for sale uh, so I'm gonna get you know all the goods from Ray and later in the hour I've got Dave Butler from BM select that's right so Bank of Canada decide to rock the world a little and tell everybody hey guess what we're at the in end of the low interest rates we're gonna start creeping up how fast is it gonna happen what's the impact and by the way what is the best kind of mortgage you should be looking at so so much to talk about today because there's always always you know topics in the the world of real estate you know it's amazing because there's so many articles floating around about the doom and gloom and i'm going to talk about that in a second but before i do um i don't know if you have started thinking about the new year yeah i know everybody's going hang on todd you know first week in november why are you even pushing this we just got through halloween well guess what daylight saving times folk you know what we just hit it that's right right now should it be what hour well you know what normally this would be one o'clock but you know what i do start at noon and so now that we know that's happening we know winter's coming and what happens right after you know december 31st that's right the new year so the reason why i bring this up is i'm going to ask every single one of you you know what are you going to make a new year's resolution are you going to change your path are you going to do something different in 2022 well, you know what? I've got my simple real estate investment webinar. Actually, we've tweaked it. It's going to be different. And coming up on January the 6th, that's a Thursday at 7 p.m., you can uh, tune in. And I'm going to be talking about what 2022 is going to look like because we're dealing with interest rate hikes. You know, how can you best safeguard your investment portfolio or for that matter, your, for that matter, your primary resident? But more importantly, um, we've got a new release coming up. That's right. For those of you that have been waiting on the sidelines, we do. We've got a new one. And I'm not going to say anything about it until January 6th. So, you know, don't call me and ask me because I'm not going to tell you. But the more important thing is, is I am going to tell you and, and, and try to help you gauge what we should be looking at in 2022. You know what? You can make a change. You can create generational wealth for your kids, make it easier for them to buy their own home all these wonderful things that can happen from being a real estate investor. So make sure you sign up at thesimpleinvestor.com for this. And it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, I know it's, uh, it seems like it's a year away, but it's going to come up on us a lot quicker than we think. And, you know, a lot of stuff that is happening and starting to unfold in the world of real estate, when we start hearing people thinking that, you know, the doomsayers, they're flying out there telling us that we're in a bubble, we're going to crash. But when you hear stats like what came out this week about what happened in the month of October, so many people are sitting there saying, well, you know, the, this number's down, that number's down, oh, 34% less properties listed for sale. All right, well, you know what? Here's the funny thing is that there are less people that are wanting to sell. Uh, there's more buyers in the marketplace. There's all sorts of reasons why these numbers come out and you need to break them down and make them make sense. And in my opinion, 
And uh, that's one of the things that we've been talking about for years now, lack of inventory, the idea that this is a bubble market, in my opinion, it is not even with the threat of interest rates going up. I truly, truly believe that based on immigration, the demand and everything else, we may not see the same percentage of increase, but we will definitely still see the lack of inventory. So this is the thing. A lot of people talk about what a bubble market is, and I just wish we could erase that when we talk about real estate. We are not in a bubble market. I challenge anybody to show me the stats that are going to tell us that the market could collapse. You know, short of a out overnight two, you know, 200 basis point increase in interest rates, and that's not going to happen, by the way, when the Bank of Canada talked about in introducing the increase, they said that they're going to do it in stages. In other words, they want to open it up a little, bring it up, and then they're going to sit and wait and see the reaction. They're not going to sit there and flood the market with a high interest rate number. And I mean, that would be suicide for the economy and they're not going to do it. So again, everybody has, I would say, ample runway to either, you know, take a look at your refi right now. You can turn around if you're going to buy investment properties, buy your house, you know, whatever you're out there looking at, you're going to have about, you know, a good four months in the spring to be able to get it done. And even then, if we take a look historically at the interest rates, you know, if we see a quarter point jump when we're talking about the variable rate, I believe that, you know what, yeah, we could look at variable rate around 1.5, 1.75, 2%, 2.25. All decent rates, considering that most of your fixed rate stuff is sitting at about two and a half to two and three quarters today. And these are the kind of things that we've got to be mindful of. So, you know, when we talk about this pressure that everybody's putting on with that announcement last week from the Bank of Canada, people are all over and jumping up and down saying, that's it, the market's going to crash. Everybody has over leveraged themselves. All right. So let me break it down on how you qualify to purchase a property. When you're buying something, Okay, you have to qualify with a stress test. Remember 2018? Remember what happened in 2018 when the stress test was introduced by the government? Well, they turned around and yeah, that did freeze out the market a little, especially the first time home buyers. They kind of turned around and went, wait a minute, I can't qualify for this. So I'm going to just step back. So a bunch of people stepped back and the market softened and that was 2018. Yeah, the foreign buyer tax didn't help us in 2017, but 2018 really was a stress test that kind of checked up the first time buyers. And it actually checked up the people that actually owned the property that wanted to search out different financing. In other words, let's move the banks. Then you have to go all over through the stress test again. So <clears throat> they've changed it since then. But thinking about it, you know, when you talk about things like the stress test, they were sitting there qualifying people at four and a half percent folks we're not going to get to four and a half percent interest rates okay let's be real you know you want to see a, a economy completely collapse a it would be way way too irresponsible of the bank of canada and the governments to ever go that that high especially over the next 24 months we're barely coming out of this pandemic and for them to turn around they would never never put you know, that much pressure on interest rates to kill the momentum that we're slowly getting up to. So let's be real for a second. If we see a quarter point uh, interest rate, does that mean uh, rate hike? Does that mean we're going to all of a sudden have nobody buy properties? 
highly unlikely. Okay. The fact is, is that there's still affordability out there. People can turn around and still get good financing. Look, if the, if the variable rate jumps up to 2%, it's still good money. It is very, very inexpensive. So when we take a look at what, you know, will reflect into a marketplace, you know, if we saw all of a sudden saw mass unemployment, if they do stick up, if, if COVID sticks its head up again, I think we've pretty much got control on how we deal with it. So I don't think that that's going to happen. You know, and it's funny because everybody said to me, you know, especially back March 2020, they said the real estate market was going to crash. And if we could rewind to a few of my shows uh, back in March and April 2020, I kept saying, no, it's not. And everybody said, you've lost your mind. We're, we're in a world collapse here. And I said, we're not. And everybody said, well, why do you think that? And I said, because everybody needs a roof over their head. I mean, think about it. You know, you're you're in the middle of a pandemic. You don't think everybody's going to put as as much money forward to make sure that they maintain their property. You know, a lot of people had credit lines they could utilize. A lot of people didn't lose their jobs. You know, a lot of people helped out family members. But the reality is, is that we realized how important a roof over your head is and always will be. And this is why I am dead fast in telling you that going through these certain times, it's only strengthened the resolve of people owning in, in real estate in its whole, investment real estate or primary, it doesn't matter. People realize how important it is to own. And I know there's a lot of people that jump up and down and say, yeah, but Todd, there's a lot of people that can't get into the market. You're right, we call them tenants. And the problem with that is, is that when we talk about affordability, the only answer that we can get out of the government about affordability is they will give you some programs that really are useless. What we need is more inventory. And this has been one of those things, and you'll hear me rant and rave every single week about this, is that we need to get the government on side to A, get rid of the red tape, give us better supply chains, and also get us more labor. Okay, we need to create you know, a better, a better avenue for people to go to trade schools, you know, offer them more programs because we will have a shortage and it will continue to grow. Hey, the government opens up the border and right now, Potentially next year, we'll have 800,000 new people in Canada. Where are they going to live? You know what? That's an answer that they're not going to give us because they don't know. They don't know. But what we do know is that if you are you own your own property or you own an investment property, that is something that's going to be very, very important in the future. More so, I think, the rental properties because with that many people immigrating, typically they will always, always rent when they first get here or they stay with family members or friends. So what are we going to do about it? Well, you know what? The only thing you can do is reach out to your your local, you know, um, parliament, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to call them the MPPs, MPs. You reach out to the people that are going to talk to, okay? Figure out. The municipalities are not do not have enough pressure on them from the general public other than don't build it in my own backyard. And we get a lot of that. And that's not going to work either. So I think if smarter heads prevail and we turn around, we focus on what is important and where we should go, then maybe we'll get there. But again, don't forget about the supply chain issues. You know, material, it's not moving very quickly. You've got all these these freighters all, you know, loaded with containers, sitting at port and nothing being unloaded. This is going to be a problem for a little while. So we're not going to solve it today, but we do have to solve it. And if you own real estate, I am going to commend you to say, keep owning it and do the right things. And again, interest rates, if they start to move, keep your eye on the ball, reach out to the professionals and you'll be all set. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, you can register for the new year. That's right, 2022, January the 6th. It's a Thursday at 7 p.m. Um, you can register for our real estate investment webinar. 
go to thesimpleinvestor.com. And when we come back, I've got John Pasalis joining me from Realosophy. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. My next guest, he's no stranger to the show. He's joined me in the past. And, you know, when you want to know numbers, it's always good to go to the pros. And he is definitely that. John Pasalis is the president of Realosophy Realty. And he's a Toronto real estate brokerage, but they use data analysis to advise residential real estate uh, brokers and investors. You know, it's very important that you do know the numbers when we are taking a look at trends. And, you know, John, I want to welcome you back to the show. We've got a lot going on in the last uh, six months since we last spoke. And maybe you can uh, tell us where we're sitting today. We're sitting in a in a very competitive market, unfortunately, especially for houses, uh, record low number of homes that are available for sale. Um, and even though, you know, sales are down over last year, uh, it's a bit misleading because last year was just a, a, an unbelievably busy fall market. So we have a strong sales, very low inventory, and, and the housing, the low-rise housing market especially, is very competitive still. So I do want to talk to you about inventory because, you know, this is this is one of those things that a lot of people, I think, keep thinking that you know from a from a news perspective it's all chitter chatter that you know there's no inventory problem but you and i both know looking at the stats you know coming out of october you know yeah the sales were down but that's volume not price and the but the biggest thing i think was staggering for october was the fact that we were down 34 percent in listing inventory that that's a big number yeah it is a big number i mean it's a you know, a lot of this is driven by the fact that we had uh, really, really strong demand uh, in the first half of this year. And uh, the interesting thing about the inventory is like the number of new listings uh, are not actually down compared to last year. We're about the same, but the difference is sales are up considerably. Um, and all of those additional, I think it's like 12 or 13,000 home buyers who bought homes in the first half of this year. Um, you know, they basically absorbed a lot of the inventory. So when we came into the fall market, we're at a very, very low base to begin with. Um, and, and that's kind of contributing to the really tight market that we have right now. So, John, I know you do a lot of number analysis, and I, I am going to ask you to put on your crystal ball with those numbers. And what do you think we're going to finish off this year as far as transactions? You know, we, we've seen... We saw quite a delta between, you know, 2016, 17, 18, 19, you know, at one point we were peaking out around that 113,000. Then we had a big drop down to 78,000. Where do you think we're going to end up this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we're certainly probably going to be, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I have to give you a, a number. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, we're going to be well probably ahead of last year. Uh, and, and possibly I think we're going to still end up in a, in a pretty record year. Um, because sales continue to be pretty strong. Again, like we're slower than last year right now a little bit, uh, but we had a very, very strong first half of the year, um, you know, especially in the first quarter and the first four or five months of the year. So, um, you know, sales are going to be pretty strong, and I think that's probably what's contributing, like I said, to the, to the tight, tight level of inventory we're seeing. You know, there's a lot of people that are weighing in with comments like we're in a real estate bubble. And, you know, here on the show, I try to, you know, keep it real. And the one thing that I find, you know, a little bit obnoxious about some of these people making these predictions, they just believe because the prices have gone up so much that naturally they should come down. But you and I talk about, you know, inventory as being a major, major issue. We've got a huge slew of new immigrants coming into the country over the next three years. You know, we missed the target this year, of course, just because of COVID. 
but the reality is, is in the in, in, in Canada alone, we should be looking at about 1.3 million new immigrants in the next three years. Huge amount of those obviously coming to the GTA area. You know, is the is the idea that this is a bubble? You know, is there a potential of a bubble here or is it just the lack of inventory is always going to keep us in a very secure position? You know, I, I, it's a hard question. I mean, certainly in 2020, uh, it's not a bubble. I mean, a bubble is usually driven by investors predominantly, right? It's, it's That's typically one of the characteristics of a bubble when investors are dominating the market and prices are just going up because they think prices should keep going up. Uh, and that's not what happened in 2020. I mean, 2020, the price growth was just driven by a lot of buyers jumping into the market at the same time. Um, you know, this year, we're starting to see way more investor activity, and that's a bit concerning. Um, but again, I mean, I think the challenge right now is when we think about, you know, what's going to cause prices to fall if they do, you know, they're, they're not going to fall when we have less than a month of inventory of homes available for sale, which is what we have. You know, we need um, listings to accelerate, demand to slow down, um, and that doesn't happen overnight. Usually it's a pretty slow process. And you're right. I mean, if, if immigration stays up, we're going to have a lot of demand uh, in the years ahead. So it's tough to say what can cause the market to slow down in the future. Well, the Bank of Canada last week announced that, you know, they are going to probably start moving the interest rates. And, and we all anticipated that it's probably about six months earlier than we had thought. We're seeing a little bit of uh, inflation, you know, taking hold in the market. So when the Bank of Canada uh, has brought it up, you know, they're also exercising some caution. You know, I think when they do it, there'll be a drip approach. So in other words, a quarter point but because of the stress test, you know, everybody has had to qualify for a much higher rate. So again, you got those doomsayers that saying as soon as interest rates start going up, this is where we're going to see everybody in over their head. They're going to see market crashes. But, you know, I don't think everybody understands, you know, how the stress test has had such a, I would call it a safety effect to our marketplace. Because again, people had to qualify, you know, at four and a half percent, almost 5% in some situations. So when you take a look at the idea of interest rate, do you, are you concerned that we're going to see the market flatten out or for that matter, you know, potential collapse because people have, uh, you know, stretched themselves too far? You know, I, that's a great question. I think a lot of people, I agree with you, assume that, you know, even if we have four rate hikes next year, the market's going to crash. And I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I, I think what's more likely going to happen is it's going to take some demand out of the market. Uh, you know, it might impact some household's budget a little bit if they're on variable rate mortgages, right? Um, you know, but again, I don't, I don't think it's going to put that much, uh, that much pressure on the market. I mean, if, if anything, the only segment that might be impacted a little bit are, you know, investors potentially who chose variable rate mortgages and if those payments are going up over time. But again, that's like a, a small segment of the market. So I, I don't think it's going to have, I don't think it's going to cause a crash the way I think a lot of housing bears think is going to do. I mean, I think if anything, it's just going to potentially take some of the demand out, which is a very good thing. It's kind of it's what, actually what we want right now. We want uh, demands to ease up as we move into the new year. I'm glad you mentioned variable rate mortgages because, you know, one of the things that people should be aware of that if they're in a variable rate, you know, basically we're looking at about a six month window right now before we will see the increase in rates. You know, I, I always encourage people, listen, if you're, if you're, you know, in the shorter end of the life of your mortgage, you need to reach out to your lenders and potentially look at locking in a rate that you're going to feel, you know, comfortable with over the next five years. So there's nothing wrong with people, you know, re-looking at their financing 
Is this something that you advise clients that, you know, keep your eyes on the variable? If we feel upward pressure, then lock it in and give yourself some comfort level? Yeah, potentially. I mean, I think way more people have been going with the variable uh, just because the spread between the fixed and the variable uh, is so high. And the, the thing is, I mean, even if we get quite a few rate hikes, I mean, the, the, the variable is still probably going to be below what the five-year fixed rate is now anyway. So I think there is some value in going variable, but certainly, I mean, the thing that some homeowners can do as well, if they're worried about their, their payments increasing, they could potentially set up their unit they are on a variable to have their mortgage payments fixed. And then what happens is as your as your rate increases, just more of your payment goes towards interest versus principal as well. So, you know, for households that are worried about, you know, changes in the mortgage rate, there's different options as well. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. So, John, if um, if you're going to make a prediction, what do you see the last you know two months of 2021 looking like? I, I think it's still going to be competitive. There's still a lot of demand, uh, especially from a lot of investors who are looking at buying. I don't see inventory picking up, so I think we're going to probably end the year pretty uh, pretty competitive still. And things have been heating up over the past couple of months, so um, I don't think we're going to slow down too much uh, over the next month or so. Yeah, excellent. John, if our listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, they can uh, send me an email at askjohn at movesmartly.com or follow me on Twitter. Excellent. Well, listen, John, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Great having you, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk in the near future. Thank you. So that was John Pasalas, and he is president of Realosophy Realty. And, uh, you know, great information. So keep your eyes on the rates, folks. You know what? You can do something about it if you need to. Um, speaking of doing something about it, you know what? You can follow me on Instagram, the Simple Investor One. And if you want to kick up the new year, I know it's so early to talk about it, but coming up January the 6th that's a thursday at 7 p.m we will be having our new real estate investment webinar and we're going to talk about a new release that's right get the new year started off right go to the simpleinvestor.com to register when i come back i've got ray ferris joining me so stay with us we'll be right back after this and welcome back as i mentioned just before the break my next guest he's no stranger to the show ray ferris he uh, former president of the ontario real estate association also he is the broker owner of erie edge and um ray welcome back to the show hey thanks for having me back todd you know it's been a while and uh, i do want to talk to you about what is happening in the world of real estate especially in your neck of the woods because we do talk a lot about cottage country but you know i do want to you know talk about a couple other things you know some of this stuff and and i know you and i you know can kind of trade articles every once in a while um you know it seems like in the real estate world people are still getting shocked by you know kids having parties in houses that are staged and you know i talked about it last week on the air and and it's sort of like you know i'm almost shocked that they're shocked well, well you know what i mean i was shocked todd by that story i mean i've personally never had any experience like that in 26 years as a realtor uh, you know, I, I, uh, a lot of questions remain unanswered, and that is how did those kids get in the house, etc. So I haven't heard the uh, final outcome of how they gained access, but I mean, I was one of the many who were surprised by it. I mean, I've never had anything happen like that. 
Yeah. Well, you know, and, and that then gets us started on exactly your marketplace. And we can talk about cottage country and, you know, you're always my go-to guy to find out what's happening in the world of cottages because vacation properties in during the pandemic, you and I have talked in length about it. What an incredible, you know, rise in pricing right across the board, not just in the Muskokas, but right across every basically every recreational property i think in ontario saw a substantial increase in the last 24 months let's say but ray tell us what uh, what this year looked like for people with vacation properties well last year on the local multiple listing service in the small community that i service called long point we had for <clears throat> excuse me we had 43 sales now this year todd that number is exactly half and it's all about supply and demand, causing these prices to escalate. So let me tell you a story about a cottage that I listed and sold three years ago. We priced it very competitively. Even so, it took us two months to get that property sold and it didn't sell for asking price. Circumstances changed for the new owners. We recently listed that property for sale at a realistic price. We didn't underprice it to try to achieve multiple offers. Yet even so, we did achieve multiple offers. It sold within a matter of days, unlike three years prior. And this time it sold for $50,000 over asking price. That's just a sign of the times. And as I said, it's all about supply and demand out here. You know, one of the things that I, I just want to make clear to our listeners is, you know, the different stages of cottage property. So, right, you deal with, you know, one season, two season, three season, four season. Uh, coming into this time of year, you know, there's a lot of people that if they're selling their cottage property, you know, they've shut down the water or, you know, it's not it's not a full four season. Are these obstacles, you know, people have to, to overcome? Well, yeah, for sure. Today, it snowed here for the very first time. So hopefully cottage owners have their plumbing winterized so that they don't freeze. Our temperatures today are at freezing. So as a buyer coming in to look at a cottage that's for sale right now with winterized plumbing, that means the water is turned off so the pipes don't freeze. You're not going to be able to have a home inspector look at the plumbing to make sure that it's in good working order. With the water off, you're also not able to test the pressure and the quality of the water. And I think back to a situation one of my colleagues had several years ago where there was snow on the roof. And with snow on the roof, the buyer was unable to see the deteriorating condition of the shingles. This was something that the sellers didn't disclose to their realtor because their listing agent couldn't see the shingles on the roof either. So buyers need to keep in mind that snow sometimes hides defects that we refer to in real estate as patent defects, defects that would otherwise be readily visible, but in the snow, they're not so easily visible or not visible at all. So, Ray, you know, one of the things as a realtor, you know, I always encourage people when they're dealing with a situation like this is that you get the seller to rep and warrant, you know, into a spring condition. In other words, you know, a lot of times when people buy properties with pools, for example, in the winter, they would turn around and you would have the seller, you know, warrant that it had been put away correctly and in the spring that it will be in good working order. 
Can you do this with cottage properties? Would you put clauses like that in an offer to protect, you know, the buyers? Yeah, for sure. When we represent a buyer and the example you use is something we use all the time with swimming pools when it's not open, uh, we do the same thing with plumbing. Now, the seller, if they're going to agree to a representation and warranty that the plumbing was professionally or properly winterized, better be darn sure that indeed it was winterized properly. Because if they agree to that representation and warranty and there's a problem, they're going to be on the hook for the cost of the repairs to remedy that problem. Yeah, and I think that's a little bit concerning for some, especially when you're going through the winter months. Because, you know, in the cottage situation, you know, you can have extreme temperature changes, you know, you can have any kind of flooding, things like that. So there can be some issues. So again, as a realtor on the side of the listing agent, sometimes I think some people just want to say, yeah, sorry, we don't represent warrant anything, you know, buyer beware. But again, back in the spring, if something goes wrong, you know, now you've got some people that are going to go head to head. You know, when we take a look at obviously the marketplace, you and I had talked uh, back in January and you had told me you've never seen it that busy, that the demand for cottage properties was, you know, second to none. It, it, you've never experienced it in the marketplace. Do you see the market still being, you know, that desirable or do you see, or ha have we pretty much, you know, gotten to that point now that, you know, most of the people that wanted to buy vacation properties have done so? No, there's still a lot of buyers in the marketplace that weren't successful in finding a place of their own this summer or this fall. So there's a lot of buyers still lingering around waiting for that property to come on the market, a new listing to come on the market. Just within the last week, our office has represented buyers of two cottages in that community that I service, uh, the small community of Long Point on the North Shore of Lake Erie. And, you know, Historically, Todd, we wouldn't be selling properties in those numbers this time of year. But again, it all goes back to supply and demand. There just wasn't enough supply throughout the summer and early spring to satisfy the number of buyers that are out there looking. Usually this time of year, if a seller approaches me, their number one question always is, should I sell now or really should I wait until spring? And in years gone by, I would always say, Let's wait until spring. The plumbing is winterized. It's cold in the cottage. Buyers don't get a warm and fuzzy feeling when they're inside shivering because there is no heat on. But my <laughs> no, advice- No pun intended. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but my advice right now, Todd, is, hey, look, because of supply and demand, let's put your property on the market right now because there still are a lot of buyers out there looking and waiting for that cottage that uh, would- would be of interest to them to come on the market. So quick note about the rental market in vacation properties. I know, you know, looking at this summer, it was a huge increase. We couldn't get any inventory. People were talking about, you know, paying two, three, four times what they normally would in a market a few years ago. Do you still see the rental market being that strong? Well, I'll tell you, a lot of the people that rented this summer rebooked that same cottage for next summer because they just don't want to miss out on it because this year was certainly a challenge finding places to rent if you didn't already have a rental commitment from someone. So I don't think it's going to change. And a lot of people who entered the rental of cottages who had never done that before because their circumstances were they had to stay home and weren't able to travel fell in love with 
renting a cottage, being at the beach, being on the water. So I think that demand is most certainly going to continue. Yeah, I definitely do think that there's been a change in the mindset of the Ontario recreational properties that people have learned how nice they truly are. And, you know, as a cottage owner, you know, since I was a kid, you know, it's been one of those things that I grew up with, but I know a lot of people never really had experienced it. And now people have been able to do it. So listen, Ray, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. And I really appreciate your time today and giving us your insight. Great. Thanks for having me back. That was Ray Ferris, and he is the former president of the Ontario Real Estate Association. And when we come back, I've got Dave Butler from BM Select joining me. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, my next guest, yeah, I'm just going to say he's, you know, probably my most consistent guest. Always great to have him on the show. Dave Butler from BM Select Mortgages. Uh, Dave, welcome back. Thank you very much, Todd. Always a pleasure. So, you know, the Bank of Canada decided to, I guess, light some fire under people's butts uh, last week. You know, the idea that we're going to start seeing upward pressure on interest rates. They're they're calling April. I don't know if that's if you're in agreement, if they're going to stick to it, if they're going to do it early, maybe drag it. Who knows? But can you tell me what's going on and what you hear on the street and what you guys are, are seeing the effects of this announcement? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been interesting. Uh, the announcement definitely seems to have caused uh, quite a few people to want to reach out and discuss refinancing. Um, I think a lot of people, maybe some of them in variables that um, are reading and hearing these announcements, uh, deciding they may want to lock in. Um, you know, unfortunately, right now, the, the fixed rates have kind of run away, as they say. Uh, you know, you're looking at now a, a fixed rate being over double the, than what the actual variable rate is today. So, uh, but definitely still on influx of refinance applications. Our statistics, actually, we had a flip last week and this week from the amount of purchases to refinances that actually went in refinance favor. So uh, definitely the the announcements, the chatter, it's bringing in some change. We did see quite a bit of uh, refinance applications this week. Yeah. So Dave, when, when Tiff Macklin turns around and says, you know, we got to take a look at the inflationary numbers, you know, we've talked to Benjamin Tall on the show in the past saying, yeah, we're expecting that we should see, um, seeing it. My, my big question to you is this, you know, we talk about the bond markets, we talk about the fixed rate mortgages, which are affected by the bond markets. You know, we talk about the Bank of Canada, which again, goes back to the variable rate. Is it smarter for people to stay put on the variable rate? Historically, a lot of people have done better over the years, or should people really truly be looking at locking in? I mean, they do have a little bit of runway, which is great. You know, in the next five months, people get their, their house in order. You know, if they're going out to buy an investment property, now's a great time to do it, get a low rate. Um, where, where, where do you sit on this? That's an interesting topic. I mean, right now, you know, as we talked about the variable rate is, <clears throat> excuse me, half, uh, or, or even less than what the fixed rates are going for. So as you said, there is a lot of runway for some increases. I think a lot of people as well that we talk to, um, think possibly that, you know, again, with inflation, 
possibly being transitory. Um, some people are sitting on the sidelines and saying, I want to see how this goes. I'm willing to ride up a couple increases or two and see where things are at. You know, that is obviously uh, one of the things about conversions. When you're converting from a variable to a fixed, a lot of people um, have this idea that they'll do it at the perfect time, which is great if you can do it. But a lot of times you have to lock in before the fixed rates have gone up. Once they've started going off, going up, excuse me, um, it becomes kind of this train you try to catch. Um, and that can usually lead to sometimes making a mistake. So we've been seeing a lot of customers actually, believe it or not, once weighing out their options, seeing where the fixed rates are, actually still deciding to go with a variable because they do believe that the increases may be spread out and may continue to stay at a quarter point, which again, as you said, gives you a lot of runway to get up to where the fixed rate would be for the Bank of Canada to match the variable. So then my next question would be this, um, when people are talking about rate increases, so let's say we, they are projecting at the end of April, a rate increase, how does the locking in of a rate happen and how long can you lock the lower rate in? For example, if let's say, you know, you've got a 2.75, you know, at the mid April, they turn around, you run them through the process. You know, can you lock them in in anticipation and how long does that lock last? Yeah, so there's a couple of different ways of doing this when you're on a current variable rate. So say you have a customer that is in a variable rate and they are just looking to move to a fixed rate. They actually will have a conversion clause in their variable rate contract that allows them to convert to the bank's best fixed rates at that time. So that's actually something they can do anytime. If you're someone that's potentially looking at trying to time things a little bit and you're saying, hey, I'm going to probably do a refinance at that time. So I'm going to be looking at breaking my mortgage and getting a whole new mortgage. We can actually lock in rates 120 days before a closing date. So if you're anticipating some type of movement by the Bank of Canada, say in April or May, obviously in April, then what you could do is actually go and get yourself locked in in December and January, protect yourself, see what the Bank of Canada does, and then actually decide and make any adjustments to your game plan. But certainly 120 days is the lock-in period that we can get. And you can use that to your advantage by locking in before the banks are actually looking at increasing. So, so if somebody had, let's say, a July-August closing, rates go up in April, but they've locked in the rate, they will still get the lower rate? So that's if they're, if they're taking a fixed rate, yes. If they're taking a variable rate, they will lock in their discount. But if the Bank of Canada does raise the prime rate, by the time, let's say in April, by the time they close, the prime rate will be higher. So therefore their rate actually will be higher, but they will have locked in the discount. In the event that the bank decides to reduce the discount off prime sometime after their approval, they would actually still be guaranteed the actual discount itself. So that's another thing. A lot of people think, hey, will I be locked into the prime, the old prime before it goes up? And the answer is with a variable rate, the rate is actually called prime less whatever the discount is. So if the prime rate in August is, let's say, as an example, 2.7, then whatever the discount from there is, that will be their new rate. So you can't lock in prime, but you can certainly lock in your discount. And you can also lock in a fixed rate. Traditionally, some people think that fixed rates will start to go up after a variable rate increase. So some people like to lock in a fixed rate before the variable goes up as well. Excellent. Listen, I think that's really good information for our listeners, Dave. I, I do appreciate that for sure. And speaking of good information, you know, you, uh, your, you and your team had sent me over some awesome slides. We put them into our webinar the other week. 
you know, I really appreciate those. But just to cover over a couple of things, you know, um, the, the slides were really talking about the different lenders and how many units people are allowed to own using the different lenders. And, you know, it seems like there was quite a few of the A lenders there that really, you know, they, they try to keep people down to a minimum, you know, maybe five units maximum. Um, but, you know, for people that want to build real estate portfolios, there are other answers out there, aren't there, Dave? Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a big thing that's really kind of hit the hit hit the media. It's kind of hit the prime time, if you will, in the last five to ten years, and that's investors. Um, you know, we have seeing we are seeing just an influx of real estate investors. You know, there's all kinds of obviously now investment clubs popping up and people wanting to learn about investing in real estate. They're seeing their friends and family do well. Um, and as you know, and and as you've been in it yourself for many many years. Um, decades now in this kind of sector um, is that we've been doing this for a long, long time. And uh, one of the skills that we like to possess within our team um, is that we like to work with investors and plan out their future purchases. I think every investor needs to know how many properties they may be able to buy. And then from there, know how to do it. Um, we've seen way too many times where a real estate investor has gone to the wrong lenders first and then actually hampered themselves from being able to accumulate more properties. Um, there really is an expertise to this. There is an order that you almost need to follow to make sure you maximize. And that's something that we've specialized in now for the last two decades. And uh, it seems like obviously now it's coming to fruition in terms of how the market has really changed and investors have really taken up a big spot here. Uh, but yes, you know, a lot of people think you can go to your bank and you can get a bunch of properties and that's fine and you can but you may have actually put yourself in a bad situation to buy more and knowing or working with someone that knows the landscape of the lenders and how many rental properties they'll use and what are the rental offsets they'll use and all the different rules regarding that. That's something that really should be paramount in every investor's uh, kind of repertoire, if you will. Yeah, excellent. Well, you know, I was able to show those slides that you gave me and I de definitely, you know, it helps the narrative so people understand where they're going. And speaking of where they're going, Dave, um, what is the best way for our listeners to reach you? Oh, they can get in touch with us through the phone. We're at one 684 8326. They can also shoot us an email. We're at info at bmselect.ca. Thank you very much, Todd. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure having you on the show, Dave. Thanks so much for joining me. Take care. And that was Dave Butler from BM Select. Always great having him join me on the show. And I want to thank my other guests, Ray Ferris, broker owner of Erie Edge, former president of the Ontario Real Estate Association, and John Pasalis. He is the president of Realosophy Realty. So great guests this week. Um, always looking forward to bringing you the experts in the field of real estate. Um, and don't forget, you know what? I know I'm asking you to mark your calendar for the new year, 2022, but Thursday, January the 6th, I've got a new, uh, new webinar that's coming out for real estate investment. But more importantly, I have a new release we're going to announce that night. So uh, make sure you sign up at thesimpleinvestor.com. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, the Simple Investor one And I do want to thank Ian Grant. He has made it simple for me week after week after week. And I do want to thank you for tuning in and making us the number one real estate talk show. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.